Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Maine of Your Own with me, Linda Moyo. And me, Claire Quonsa. So today... We are going to be discussing the business side of black hair. Yeah, quite a serious one. It is quite serious because it is big business, but we'll get to that. What's happening with your hair right now before we... Hair right now in a bit of a a twist out. So twisted it yesterday and then slept on it. So big chunky twists and then undid them this morning and it's all out and big. And actually it's a bit humid today. It might not be when people listen to this, but... um, I think it's going to shrink throughout the <laughs> throughout well, this fair, episode. Because obviously we saw each other earlier today and it looks the same That's as good. now. So That's there's good. been no change. Great. Yeah. So the, the Cantu product it's seems working. to be working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm the same. Hair still out, big, bushy. But I'm quite liking it at the moment. And my the product that I mentioned last time, the uh, More Than Moisture cream is still working out for me. Also, I'm going to London in a couple of weeks. So do you ever do this? So I've, I've got a protective style that I'm going mm-hmm. to be doing, but I don't want to do it too early for when I'm going to be doing something special. Totally. I totally plan. You have to work backwards, don't <laughs> yeah, you? I'm like, okay, yeah. then. So if I'm going to be, the event is on, say, a Saturday, I want to undo it on this day, or what day do I need to wash it on to make sure that I've got enough yeah. time for my twist to dry? Yeah, and other... It's very important. And I actually put it in my iPhone calendar, do hair. <laughs> so I remember it's that day, not a day before. I, I remember do it. Um, there's... Um, a lady on Instagram, Jay Curls, she's called, right. and she was graduating. I remember her saying her debate about when to wash her hair because her twist out's always best. I think she said at day <laughs> three it works out. So she was like, okay, then when do I wash my hair then to put it in the twist on the perfect twist out for my graduation? So Amazing. everyone feels that struggle. <laughs> yeah, totally. So as we were saying, we're talking about black hair industry and businesses in terms of where we buy um our human hair or synthetic hair from Mm. and all these products so we'll get to that in a minute but i think to start with let's hit them with some facts claire yes so um first fact black women spend six times more on hair products than white women in this country yep um, and actually, just as a background, so there are 10 million women um, that identify as having Afro or multi-textured hair in this country. So, wow. no, all the, across Europe. And it's pretty amazing, really, when you think about the amount that we're spending on hair and, and especially the comparison to um, white women. Mm-hmm. When, you know, you think about the population as a whole, 3%, this was from the 2011 census, 3% of the UK population are black um, so that's black African or black Caribbean and 2% are mixed, but it doesn't say what mix, obviously. So that could include lots and lots of different things. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's minuscule. It is minuscule, but then the black hair industry, they say, is worth 88 billion pounds. 88 million pounds, sorry. <laughs> Close to billions, <laughs> but 88 million pounds is a lot, it considering is. the size of the population we're talking about. It is, and I'm trying to think, like, you know, as a microcosm of that, my own situation, so... When I go to the shop versus when my white friend goes to the shop, what am I, how much more am I buying than her? And yeah, actually it is a lot more because I'm doing shampoo, conditioner, and not only that, 
they have to be huge because yeah. I use massive amounts and I buy them more often than she would do. In fact, a lot of like my friends with straight hair will say, oh, you know, I only use a tiny bit of conditioner on the ends, only on the ends. Whereas I'm like, oh gosh. Like, I need like, ladles like, full. Half, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half a bottle all over. Leave it on as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. So that's not just your normal conditioner. You've got your leave-in conditioner yeah, as well. and then a leave-in conditioner. You know, if you're doing that lock method, yeah. then it's several things. You've got an oil, you you've want got a cream. cream. Some people might want a gel. There's mousses. There's grease. There's edge definer. Edges. So we're sectioning our heads up <laughs> exactly. into different sections. There's stuff for your ends, stuff for your roots, stuff, stuff for your for scalp. Growth, stuff for your scalp. <laughs> <laughs> our bathrooms are brimming full. It, when you break it down, it is pretty mad, isn't it? And that's it? just the products. Because then there's also, you think about the hair. Yeah. If people are buying hair, they're buying weaves, they're buying stuff for braids, they're buying yeah. locks, they're having straight, wavy curly there's synthetic hair there's human yeah. hair and i've been braiding my hair for a long long time and yet even to this day i still don't know how much hair i'm gonna need no. and always i buy always too much. always buy too much. because <laughs> the idea of running out halfway through mm-mm, the panic no, no no one wants that no one wants so, that yeah it's crazy so yeah that's where we're at and i don't think that that's ever going to change but i guess that the interesting part of it all for me, is that despite the amount that we spend on hair products um, and the frequency of it, there are very, very few black women or mixed race women running these businesses that sell these things. Why? That is our question of the day. And that is a, a very good question. I mean, I don't think I have the answer, but I'm sure, you know, you'll agree that from when we were growing up and even now, the majority of the time, if you are going out to go and buy products that are for afro hair if you're not buying it from a big um you know high street chain most of the time if you're going somewhere local the shops tend to be owned by people of, of south asian origin which yeah. i find really fascinating as well. um yeah often often yeah. men too and it's really, it is quite interesting you know clearly they've seen a business opportunity we know that it's a business that's an industry that's worth lots and lots of money but it's interesting that there aren't many black people um that are owning and running these businesses that's it i think with any business idea you've got to know that there's a gap in the market that needs filling and they've clearly seen that a long long time ago Mm. which is you know when they've not got that hair growing out of their head exactly but they still see that vision of of what's going to happen and it it did it it's exploded probably always been like that but i think it's got even more huge definitely because of well, lots of different reasons, I guess. To think that actually, after so long, things haven't changed that much. Yes, there are like businesses and brands that are up and coming now, I think, because just speaking more widely, I think people are quite into supporting independent businesses and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, you'd, you would have expected there to be more black-owned shops and things by now you know we still have to to go to wherever it is to go and buy these products and they're often owned by the same people i think possibly it could also be down to it's a convenience thing Mm. and what you're used to yeah because even now i'm thinking if i needed to if i wanted to do my hair in box braids tomorrow i would go to hume high street yep in manchester whilst i'm buying my plantain (laughs) yeah conveniently right next to asda as well exactly but it's it's that is like the little strip of hair shops. So there's not just one hair shop. There's a few. There's a few altogether. And I think a lot of women that shop on that street will agree. If you don't, if they don't have what you want in one, you'll go to another. Totally. And if they don't have it, you'll go to the other and almost like find which one sells it the cheapest and yeah. whatnot. So it's just like convenient to do that. But then if there was, if there was a shop on that street that was 
black owned by, by a black woman or a mixed race woman with hair like similar to, to mine that I probably that would give me a lot of joy to go there definitely I think I'd definitely be compelled to go and you know check her out and try to support yeah. that business um obviously you know if they sell the products that I want and provide a good service but yeah generally I think I'd definitely want to go and try to to support somebody you know, if somebody who's investing in I guess their own community mm. for want of a better word you know you just want to be able to help somebody who's doing that and I wonder how easy it would be to just go and onto that to that road and and open your own shop you know well yeah that, I think that's the thing isn't it it's, you know, why why hasn't anybody mm. done it there must be a reason why people haven't been doing it because you, you see so many of these shops opening up like you say on Hume High Street there's probably about five mm. different shops but why hasn't nobody else gone and, and opened one up there would you even feel comfortable opening your shop among so many competitors that are all Asian men basically would you fit within that would they like that would you know does that even matter i don't know i'm just kind of trying to get my head around, head around it. it it is it's a bizarre one yeah. isn't it i just i don't know maybe that is why maybe people wouldn't feel comfortable mm. being there which is quite it's quite a difficult thing to say but where else can they go where else can you go then if you don't want to be on that particular high street is there somewhere else you can go yeah that's it well so i now shop online quite a bit because I've discovered certain uh, uh, websites that mm. will sell braiding hair and things like that. I still go back to my Asian shop <laughs> um, now and again, because if, it, if I want to do, like I said, if I want to braid my hair tomorrow, I'm gonna, I am gonna know I'm going to get it yeah. on there quickly and easily and actually be able to look at it physically. Yeah. So I do still shop there, but in, I'm increasingly feeling like this doesn't sit right with me as much anymore because there are businesses out there that I feel that we should be supporting mm. and I, I just wish there was more and um, definitely know, that's hopefully something that we can touch on with our guests but it's hard isn't it because at the same time I don't want to put other people out of business because well, they're just trying to make a no, living as well at the end of the day you know hats off to somebody if you spot a, yeah. a, if you spot an opportunity in the market then nobody's got the right to say you can't you can't invest in it and start yeah. to make some money for yourself so yeah. if we aren't doing it we shouldn't be stopping other people exactly. from from doing it exactly. the demand is definitely there there was one time i um i think it was when i had um sort of newly transitioned and chopped the ends off and stuff so i was getting used to my hair being out and i went to the hair shop and i was totally overwhelmed with the products because there's so many and there's like yeah. aisles and aisles of different <laughs> things and and now especially, I think back in the day, it was like you just pick up a tub of grease and yeah. be done with it. But now there are so many more expensive brands that you don't know if are worth the money or not. Exactly. You don't know whether to kind of invest or... And you want to be the ingredients. Because, and... Yeah, all that stuff. So, And I was yeah, feeling quite overwhelmed. And I actually asked, it was an Asian lady that was working there. And I asked her, I think I just, in frustration, I was just like, oh, you know, there's just so many things. I don't, I don't know what to pick. And she said to me, Women from my culture, all we do is put coconut oil on our hair. Straight up coconut oil. Don't bother with all this other stuff. <laughs> Just it's, it's pointless. Basically saying to me, you know, you've been, you've been sucked, in, <laughs> sucked into this industry that has seen the potential yeah. to, you know, hook us in. Probably, because yeah. we're desperate. We're desperate. <laughs> um, and I was like, right. And she just picked up a bottle of coconut oil and gave me that. Now, I'm not saying that that was the answer because I don't actually love coconut oil that much, <laughs> to be honest. I don't think it works well on my hair. But, you know, she had a point and 
I think that's something that's, that we need to be mindful of. You know of. what? That's true. That's true. Maybe that's why. That's why the market is growing because we're being sucked into believing that we need all of these different products. We need all, of, like we said before, we need the conditioner, the leave-in, the cream, the oil, the whatever, whatever. Mm. But to be honest, when I was eight years old and my mum was plaiting my hair on a Sunday night. A tub of Dax did the job. She wasn't doing the lock method, was she? <laughs> exactly. It, yeah, she'd, she'd wash it and it was Dax or Blue, what's it, Blue, Blue Magic. Blue Magic, yeah. And, and that was it. And my hair was fine. I think my hair was strong. It grew. It looked yeah. absolutely and Blue fine. Blue Magic, you know, it's a couple of quid. And like anyone that follows me on Instagram will know that I went, I actually went back to that. I started using Blue Magic for protective styles and I still do now because I felt like, yeah, that it's, it's a waste really. Yeah. Um, but I mean other people might agree or disagree I don't know but I do think it's something that we should be thinking about when you look at the amount of money we're spending is it necessary Um, so yeah so I mean I guess that's you know looking at the high street but then you mentioned that you buy quite a lot of products online and stuff as well Mm. I I sometimes have a fear of you know I will buy things from Amazon but then um, somebody mentioned to me um, that obviously there's there are quite a few businesses that will sell dupe products on Amazon. So if you think you're buying your Shea Moisture really? conditioner or something, I can't remember who it was that said to me now, or I might have seen it on um, somebody mentioning it on on Instagram or something, and um, that you might be more likely to buy unless you're buying it from the actual brand or from a registered yeah. official registered um, supplier that you could end up buying a, a dupe oh, really? or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely do have to be careful. I so have you ever used AliExpress? I haven't, no. I think it's more popular in America. Maybe any American listeners can vouch (laughs) for that. But it feels like a lot of Instagrammers and bloggers from America talk about AliExpress. So you can get... It feels a bit like Amazon, I suppose, that kind of a feel. Um, And you can get um, hair on there and hair products and things. However, what I... So I was looking through it and I was looking through um, synthetic hair to buy. Because I thought, oh, it's cheaper and maybe that's a better way of doing Mm. it. Um, and it's sort of a bit like eBay, so it's like individual sellers on there. Okay. Like, a bit like eBay shops, I guess. And so I'm looking through, and I'm looking through this one that was selling this like peroxide blonde uh, Marley hair that I needed. And, and actually it was my normal shop, Asian shop. Um, they didn't have any of it. So I was specifically looking for that. I'm scrolling through, and what do I see in their picture gallery? Me. A picture of me. <gasps> no way! Yeah, me with the blonde faux locks that I'd done like oh, God. a couple of years yeah. ago. And I was just like, wow. So that is really cool. And after I investigated it a bit more, so I thought, hang on a minute. Contacted them, um, the seller, and said, you need to take my picture down because you're selling a product. I didn't use your product to do my hair yeah. like that. And it's my picture. And obviously on the internet, in terms of rules about your pictures yeah. and things, it's all a bit vague but they did take it down um and then i made the point of googling my own name and looking in google images and there were tons more seriously of hairstyles that i'd done and then these aliexpress sellers using my pictures to sell their hair no way which is flattering but it's not it's not true well, is it? exactly and exactly. so someone else like you could go on there thinking oh yeah i want that's to what do I'm buying. my hair like that and that's what i'm buying and it's not so you do have to be really really careful that's really surprised me i know <laughs> Another, but it, do, it just shows, I guess, because it's so easy then for somebody to set up yeah. something online and then start selling things. I've not checked the... it again in a while. I, sh- I probably you should. should. check again. I'll probably be there. 
buy buy this. You so know. if anyone sees Linda's photo yeah, on AliExpress, it's not it's not real. It's not it's not. Yeah, I'm not promoting them. Um, <laughs> another thing to mention. So a while back, I did a little collaboration with a company called Latched and Hooked. Mm-hmm. Now they're an American company. They're in Atlanta, and it's a black lady that set it up. The company herself, um, amazing hair that they sell, like really really good synthetic hair that I had to braid with. Um, but she's actually been talking on Instagram quite a bit about, she's been doing a lot of research into um, the chemical side of what they put in synthetic hair, yeah. which is something I've never really I thought about. Thought I mean, I just like, you know, rip open the pack of yeah. Dream Girl or whatever it is. <laughs> or oh, what's that other brand called? Expressions. Expressions. And just <laughs> put it in. I don't even think twice. But apparently, you know, there's some bad really? things in there. Yeah. Oh. So I know, and I'm sorry. But so she that's part of her kind of um offering is that she makes the hair so it is safe and and whatnot i think she was saying that there's like never really been much work done in terms of looking into mm. well what is this stuff we're putting it you know what? i've never thought about what it is yeah i just know that it's not when you decide not to go for the real hair anymore the human hair yeah. that's the option you just think Oh, it's just, it's just synthetic. I've never really thought about what is actually in it. Well, you know, it's not it's not with hair, a lot of hair, and probably a lot of our hair products as well. It's not like they've got that sort of EU stamp of approval exactly. or something. Or, they're just in a bag. You know, like the little lion there's mark no, on an egg. There's nothing on it. <laughs> there needs to be a mark. Some kind of, you're right, some kind of standard yeah. that needs to be Main of your adhered own to. The Made of your own standard. <laughs> there we go. Get that logo on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Made of your own approved. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's again. It's something to think about. We we spend our money, but are we giving it enough thought yeah. in terms of how much we're spending and what we're buying? And I guess to the point then, you know, this lady obviously is taking the time to understand what is going in there, what you know, what these products um, are made of. Maybe that's because I guess she's got a, a personal vested interest in it. Exactly. You know, somebody else who's in it just for the business might not necessarily. Money take as much care or interest in it i think that i think you've hit the nail on the head there and that's why we should be supporting these these women that have started out with something that they're passionate about um we should be listening to them and and sort of taking their advice on things Um, i've mentioned afro hair and skin company before on this podcast um but the lady who runs that again like you can email her and she'll give you her opinion and her own experiences of products and tell you why she's made them the way that she's made them and you know it's it makes it much more of an experience doesn't it than yeah. just a kind of cash hand over your cash and just shove it on your head definitely and then there's the likes of um peck and palms which opened at the beginning of uh, this year mm. down in in london I, I haven't been yet but it looks like a great little kind of hub for hair and beauty salons that are dedicated to to afro hair yeah and and just a couple more as well to mention um these are where you would potentially buy hair from so it used to be called big hair no care no care was it yeah big hair no care care, uh which was run by uh freddie harrell who's and you know quite big on instagram um she's changed it to rad swan because i think it's going to be selling more things than Mm -hmm. just hair so that's a good one to have a look at um there's gina knight wig design who i think used to be called gina wigwitch Mm -hmm. Um, some amazing um, wig creations that she's got like and in different textures because that's one thing I found about our kind of standard hair shops um, they have a, they still have a lot of straight hair in there yeah 
and you think, still seen the same things that you've probably yeah, been seeing for about 20 yeah. years we've kind of moved a few on a bit haven't yeah, we yeah and even in terms of like and this kind of brings me on nicer to this next recommendation um, braiding hair yeah they sell like the browns and maybe some caramel colours and reds but we've again we're embracing like multicolours mm, yeah. now and pink hair and blue hair and things so um, shop cat face on Instagram you can find them um, sell an array of uh, synthetic braiding hair which um, you know some just some great ideas yeah. of different companies that you can try and for those that are a bit more I guess lazy there's <laughs> also something like Treasure Tress yes which is really good so people can do um, a monthly subscription and I think they look good because they kind of send you um, a nice selection of products yeah, each month and often have like one brand curly box as well I think I recognise that name. Yeah, I feel like I do. I've never tried one, yeah. and I think that's something that I would like to try because, you know, buying full sized and then it not being right for your hair, it's so frustrating. Should we move on to our guest? Yes. Our guest today is Sasha Atherton from the Happy Hair Co. Welcome, Sasha. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hello. Um, so we always start by basically talking about our own hair. So I think that's a good place for us to start with you. So tell us about your hair. What's your hair story? <laughs> Um, okay, so I'd say that it's only in, well, since I launched the business just over a year ago that I've fully embraced my hair. And a few people might be surprised about that because I've had it curly for longer than that. Um, but uh, growing up, I straightened it all the time. Mm-hmm. I did not want curly hair. Um, and not it wasn't really a personal experience. I think it might be media driven, but I just mm. know that I always wanted straight hair. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, the common story of when your daughter comes home from nursery and she doesn't want she I want a straight yellow hair like whoever it was it wasn't it wasn't Elsa and at that time but uh, it was something similar in her nursery friends and stuff and I was like well okay now I need to do something and start mm. embracing my own hair so then I started wearing my hair curly which was severely damaged at that point because it was loads of heat damage yeah. and and the, the dying and stuff um, but I did and then I got loads of books about curly hair and uh, I love my hair etc and so that was when she was about, she's eight now so that was probably when she was about three um, so it started then but still not in terms of healthy hair it was mm-hmm. just okay I'll have my curls it was there. just fine um, yeah. I'll just straighten it less yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then when the knowledge came of when I launched the business is when we started to take it really seriously yeah. and the ingredients and stuff like that so it's the healthiest it's been now. I um, haven't straightened it since... Now it's about four months. Prior to that, it was eight. And then I did a little experiment for our followers and for myself. Never again, but it was good to see how long it was. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your natural colour now? Yes, it's like all the dyes, pretty much. I've grown it out, but... Um, Not dyeing makes such a big difference, well, doesn't it? Well, the bleach. I yeah, yeah, well, I used to have it blonde every summer. Did um, you used to do? Um, I know you said that you used to do singing and stuff, didn't you? Yes, I did. That. Did you feel more pressure then, like as an, if you were ent- yeah, as an entertainer? Did you feel then that you had to have a certain look? You know what? N- not consciously, but mm. of course we all did. Yeah, but it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't um, a thing that was spoken about that we had to have straight hair. Just me and pretty much everybody I knew growing up, particularly at secondary school, yeah. felt like we should straighten our hair. It yeah. just seemed like the thing to do. Mm. Um, in primary school not as much because you know we used to have all our funky styles with all our bright bubbles and stuff and that's just the way it was because we weren't doing our own hair but when it started to come into um, where we were doing our own hair then it was like oh 
you know, and we actually had straighteners that worked at that point because <laughs> when I was younger and trying to do it, it was like the steam ones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which just made my hair <laughs> curly. I was like, <laughs> so, um, Thanks, so no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're still doing them apparently. Um, but yeah, so in answer to your question, no, it wasn't pressure. It was probably more internal. You know, yeah. it was probably more just the subconscious, what we saw in the media mm. and the beauty standards actually that made it, made me and a lot of um, my peers and friends feel like we should have straight hair. I really disliked my curly hair. Mm. Yeah. I really disliked it. You know, um, it's ironic because I wouldn't go out on a night out and stuff. Yeah. If I hadn't straightened my hair, I would fully cancel really? nights out. I was like, I have not straightened my hair. You lot are crazy. I'm not going anywhere. Wow. <laughs> Which is now, it's just like, I, you know, I would never <laughs> do that. Um, but it, for sure, it was something that I always, the relaxer, I only texturized it once. Mm. The queen of crack. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to kind of go down that route because once the proper straighteners came in, the ceramic you ones, my hair straightened easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was something that I always wanted from a young age to have straight hair. Oh, and that then spurred on the idea to turn it into a business? Well, yes, yes and no. In terms of the, the business, um, it started off as the Happy Hair Box Company and okay. it was um, the concept was behind the storage box because I don't know about you guys, but I have loads of products and accessories mm-hmm. and stuff and I had an absolutely battered bag at the time, like a Shopkins bag or something, um, <laughs> <laughs> that everything was thrown in. And I was just doing Jay's hair um, one day and I was like, I really need something to put yeah. this stuff in. Like, it's just ridiculous. This bag is literally hanging apart. So then I thought we, I sh- we should do a storage box or something. And this is very common for me. Like I'll have an idea of something that exists or that I feel could be a bit better and I'll just go through the process. So I got a prototype made within like two weeks because I, I can't sleep because I literally need to get this idea <laughs> to fruition. So then I was like, actually, it's a good opportunity to put some uh, positive represent uh, representation on the boxes. So let's do some black girls with afros and an engineer yeah. outfit and that's stem stuff because um at the time i had another business which was uh diversity recruitment and stuff okay oh. so i did a lot of stem work and tech so we did we did um elenia the engineer which is a little afro puff girl with in an engineer outfit and scientists and that kind of stuff so that's how the business started as a storage box um and i thought having those characters on the boxes would be the selling point and people weren't as bothered as i thought they would be so um even though it went okay. Mm. We made a few sales to start with. Um, it actually just ended up being the springboard for what the business is today. Yeah. And I actually don't do those boxes at the moment now. So, <laughs> so how did you then um, transition from uh, the boxes to then the next stage? Because obviously we we know you for yes. like the satin bonnets yes, and, right, yeah. and the scarves and wraps and things. Yeah. So how did you then move on to those products? It was so organic. Like, it wasn't a proactive thing. And actually, the bonnets wouldn't exist if I hadn't been asked for them. I had no intention of doing any bonnets. I had never worn a bonnet myself because I saw the ones in the market and they felt horrible. (laughs) So I was never putting that on my head. (laughs) And I'm not never looking like that at that point. So um, in terms of it evolving from the box, it was organic, but more to do with... So twofold, I suppose. One was when something's not generating enough profit for me or income, I immediately think of, right, what what next? next? So then as I was um, starting to, because obviously I launched this business and then I've started the Instagram and then I'm starting to come across all of these natural hair bloggers Mm. and they're starting to talk about ingredients and um, harmful ingredients. Don't use a towel. I was like, what do you mean don't Mm. use a towel? And remember, this is only last April. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, 
they're using t-shirts i want to wear my t-shirts i don't have many clothes yeah i, I, I want to wear my t-shirts so i was like well, i'm just gonna make a towel and this is just no as i yeah. said it's normal for me so that like, okay i'm just gonna make my own towel so then i started doing some research into fabrics and stuff and i was hunting and hunting for what i felt would be good a good combination and then I, um, it was organic cotton and bamboo seemed like a really good combination. Okay. So then um, the frizz towel was born. So that is how it evolved fully because that then became the propeller for the business mm. just skyrocketing because it, it, it really accelerated from that towel. And yeah, that's kind of how it, it happened really organically, really naturally, just from um, the knowledge. And then, oh, we're not supposed to use a towel. Oh, well, that makes sense because it's really rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you then, think about it? It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's clear. You never really stopped to actually think about no. it. Like, oh, it's a towel, it dries stuff, so I'll use it to dry my hair. Well, at, at the point where... Um, so I dyed my hair back darker, uh, brown again, to get uh, to start the healthy journey, because the blonde, was it was just awful. So I dyed it dark to then um, grow it out, because it was similar colour to my hair, to mm. my natural hair colour. Um, and I just thought my hair was frizzy, because I'd ruined it. I just thought it was frizzy. Yeah. But then when, the first time I used that towel, I, the frizz went, I was like, what the? Wow. <laughs> what is going on? Like, and then that's when you say, you know, start to think, well, of course, if I'm using a towel, like a traditional terry, uh, terry towel, yeah. um, of course it's going to have that effect on my hair. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm rubbing it. Like, all that friction and, and the roughness yeah. of the fabric, it's not gentle on our hair at all, actually. So, yeah, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> Obviously, back then, you say, like, the, the towel took off that kind of propelled the business and I think well anyway in recent years especially there's been a lot more independent you know and black women basically starting these types of businesses yeah so are you how are you finding it now like is is business still booming or are you finding that because there's so many other businesses selling similar types of things now that it's a tougher marketplace it's not tougher for me in the sense that there's not many selling my stuff mm, yeah. protective accessories hair care products yes yeah there's a lot of shampoos conditioners yeah. everything yeah yeah it's a strange one because even though the market's becoming really oversaturated it's not quality it's mm. they're not all quality products and yeah. they're not all kind ingredients so you've got different pockets of the community mm. people like me like i won't go anywhere near silicones and all that kind mm. of thing my daughter's really sensitive to um products with coconut oil yeah. and so i've got to be really specific about which products i use and I'm also very specific about which products we stock. Okay. So um, from my perspective, even though it, the market's got tons, even in the UK now, there's not loads that I will use. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, but from my perspective, there aren't many. There aren't many, and particularly because our stuff's like um, more luxury. So it's like luxury protective hair care. It's, as you say, the, the bonnets, the satin bonnets. Mm. It's not the bonnets that you find when you go to the local <laughs> hair shop or the market. That yeah. The fabric's totally different. Yeah. How, how do you find that process in terms of finding the, the right suppliers? Well, firstly, being an innovator is tough because I literally have ideas 24-7. It's like my brain does not stop, so I've <laughs> always got something going on. And in terms of fabric, at retail suppliers fabric mm. is totally new to me i had not done anything to do with retail or, or e-commerce or anything like that yeah. prior to starting this business so i am winging it all the time um in terms of find, finding suppliers um it can be tough like with the frizz towel even right now there is only one uk supplier okay. for my fabric that, that we use um which is a challenge but of course in my mind i've already done the research as okay if i need to go outside of the uk what kind of places have it Mm. so you kind of have to do research that you don't know how to do 
Google, obviously, is your best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great that you've been able to keep it yeah. UK, though. Yeah, I'm so trying far. so yeah. hard, you know, even just with some of the new products that I'm um, looking to do, you know, I exhaust as much as I can in terms of at least getting it made here. Yeah. So my, the, the people that make our stuff, because I can't even sew a button, I'll say it's definitely not me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the people that make our products are, you know, local um, women at the moment, mums, you know, I was able to send one of the mums to, she, her and her family went to Lapland based on the business that I've been, been able to wow. send her away, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that that's I want. Weird. I want to make sure that the people that are working with us, whether it be the suppliers or whatever, are people that need and enjoy the work. Yeah. As long as I can sustain that, I want to. I think what makes you quite unique as well is the fact that you are British and yes. it's a UK-based company. Because when I'm looking for any of these kinds of things, yeah. I often come across American, American yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get a lot of people ordering from the yeah. States? Because I know you ship worldwide, yes. don't you? Yeah, which is... Um, What's like the ratio? So it's, it's definitely predominantly UK. Yeah. But I have... Um, US, but not just US, like Europe, Mexico at one point, wow. random places, random places. But this is because there's a, the curly community spreads wide, the natural hair community spreads mm. wide. And also we parted with, uh, partnered with Ecoslay, which yes, is a really yeah. booming brand in the US that again is becoming widespread. So now that I ship anywhere, um, we're starting to get more countries through. So the US is definitely ahead of us in terms of bonnets and, and that, that kind of protective yeah. accessory. Mm. But still, not necessarily a luxury version of it. So our bonnets are lovely. They look really pretty. They're, you know, rose gold, different colour mm. combos. They're reversible. Um, so there's not really many of them anywhere. So I think when somebody in the US comes across a black owned business oh actually they're in the uk oh actually it's mm. handmade oh that's really nice they you know a few of them aren't reluctant to buy uh, and we have like a flat rate shipping so it's not going to cost them the, yeah. to get the stuff over there um so i think it just works re- really well and the frizz towel because there isn't a frizz towel over there they've got microfibers okay. but they don't have a mm. towel like ours so it, they're coming they're coming along i definitely want to expand further okay. so you mentioned that obviously i think a lot of people get excited when they find your product that's you know it's it's a black owned business yeah. people love that yes but i mean we spoke earlier around the fact that generally speaking for most of our experiences you know um growing up and even now when people are looking for products for black and afro hair if you go into the high street um or you know to your local high street a lot of the shops are tend to be owned by asian men generally yep. why do you think that is because we're not proactive enough as a black community, yeah. In short, I suppose it's a very simplistic response, <laughs> but um, I, I think you know it's interesting, you know, because my views of this and many things as I've grown older have changed. They change, <laughs> uh, and especially having this business now. If you follow us on Instagram, you will see I'm very pro-black. I speak mm. on it. I'm very honest, maybe too uh, too much sometimes, <laughs> but I am very authentic in terms of my views and. Um, the importance of supporting black owned businesses mm. and stuff like that so i think that the my from my perspective the mentality needs to be focused on more of the fact that it's it's us that's not done it mm. how can we blame these this asian community from seeing an opportunity and a need and you know maximizing on that yeah. what of course they're going to if they've got the funds and the mechanisms to be able to go and utilize that opportunity why would they not but why aren't we i think that's our thing is is that um 
there's so few black owned businesses like I, I have proactively gone out there because I want to stock our stuff in black owned businesses mm. as a priority I want it I want to give them a bit of an edge because I feel like at the moment you go into as I've said you go into your, your shops and your markets you get a certain quality of bonnets and do rags and head wraps and stuff and I want um, the priority for me to be partnering with the black owned businesses so that they've got luxury products you know that are still affordable to the demographic but yeah. it, again it's about black owned businesses supporting other black owned businesses mm. and we're just not proactive enough like why haven't we gone and open more historically yeah yes i get that it's the it's the funds but there's always ways to raise funds if it's important enough and i don't think it's been a big enough priority mm. do you think that there's enough of maybe a community in terms of people supporting each other and supporting each other's businesses because obviously you know we see more and more independent black owned businesses now yeah do you feel like there is a community now do you think that people are working more together you've said that you want to be able to get your products into black owned businesses and you're working with eco slay and stuff but do you think that there's enough of that happening at the moment not i don't think we'll ever get to a point where it's going to be enough (laughs) um no not enough but there are more people like myself that are proactively trying to improve that um, I think it's you, you can't really be passive with something like this there, there needs to be more of us that are proactively mm. trying to do it because if I okay then if I was to have this business and just say okay if a black owned business approaches me yeah sure you know they can stop my stuff mm, there's not many there so how many what's the ratio going to be you know from black owned businesses compared to the, the Asian owned that's going to stop my stuff if I didn't proactively push them towards the black owned you know yeah. so it's that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing um, but I think we need to take ownership I decided, I mean, I'm a single mum, can't afford to do most of the stuff that I do most of the time, but I make it work because it just makes business sense and that's that's the main priority and that's what drives me. Um, and more people need to be like that. And we do need to be more supportive, but we need to take more ownership. Mm. I feel like a lot of the time when you have this conversation, it's more towards, it's been done to us. You know, we don't have, in, uh, we don't have enough shops. Yeah, I know that we don't have enough shops, but the only people that could change that is us yeah it's not easy but i'm starting to see more like there's um some young young women that have just opened one in london might be worse than green but okay. i might have made that up um and i can't remember the heritage i think they're called um and that's younger people i think okay. traditionally we used to go in into hair shops and seeing older people yeah. Here, right yeah but i think that will be the change i think it will be you know the younger generation realizing what we don't have and they're going to be the ones I think that will go and open them. Like this is just two, you know, two black girls that have decided I want a black owned hair shop, so I'm going to open one. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what we need really. Also, just thinking about the customer side of things, because I know on your Instagram you've spoken a few times about customers supporting yeah. black owned mm. businesses, black women, yeah. um, and how you can go about doing that. Mm. But I kind of I feel like there's still a lot of. I mean, I'm probably even guilty of it myself. Yeah. Like oh, I'll just nip to Hume High Street yeah, yeah. and pick up that product because it's convenient. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not really thinking, actually, there's Sasha yeah. selling better products. Yes. She's she's like me. Yeah. Why? What, what is stopping me from doing that? Is yeah. it just laziness? But I think you're right in terms of convenience. And of course, we're all guilty of that. It, it's mm. not just, you know, as I said, it's that proactive mentality. It's the convenience aspect affects 
our everyday yeah. lives. It's supermarkets. It's the expresses. It's like I'll go and pay two pound more in the express if I can't be bothered to go to the big Tesco. It's literally that you know. Yeah. I I will go and don't get me wrong. I go to Boots sometimes if I can't get the the product that I need quickly because mm. I've run out of all of my normal hair stuff. I will go to Boots and I'll go and buy it because it's down the road or yeah. I can just drive to the traffic centre or whatever. Yeah. Um. So convenience does play a big part. But again, if you're not consciously think, thinking to yourself, I want to support a black-owned business, you're not going to do it, mm. you know, unless it's right there in front of you. Um, I am very proactive in it, and more so now because I own one, and I mm. know the difference it makes when people support us. And supporters, not just because of that, but that plays a role in it. Um, I had a white lady from the US purchase from me because she likes to support black-owned businesses, right? right? <laughs> And there's no reason for her to do that other than that's what she's decided she wants to do because we don't get enough support. Yeah. You know, I think it's, um, it is a, definitely a, a proactive decision, a mindset switch that you need to say, okay, so this month already I've supported two. I eat chocolate 24-7 and I go and get it from Tesco. So I've just gone and ordered from Yard Confectionery or something like that. I came across them online. Um, Jamaican British owned business so I went and ordered some chocolate from them instead of Tesco oh, wow. you know it's that good chocolate. I haven't had it yet <laughs> <laughs> I haven't received it yet but um, it's just those things yeah. you know and um, yeah as I said you, ha- you kind of have to be proactive and it's not just buying products is it no the support yeah I think um, you know it, it's it's an interesting one because even within the natural and curly hair community, and I refer to that a lot because that is kind of where everything happens. Mm. That's where you start to see most of the changes that I'm talking about because the mindset shifts happen there first, if that makes sense. Mm. You've got everybody talking about topics constantly, which makes us all more aware of it in a community that's focused on the hair. Does that make sense? So, yeah. um, But you have... you. It can still be a double-edged sword. It can be a very... Um, negative space at times very judgmental you know we're not always focusing or the community is not always focusing on the positives on the flip side you can have hundreds thousands of of people and women talking about supporting black owned businesses talking about embracing your natural hair you know so it's um it's just kind of about getting yourselves in in those um spaces of people but encouraging each other and kind of holding each other accountable to make sure that we're proactively doing it the support um, particularly because it's very competitive especially with this whole um, influencer thing coming yeah, through now yeah. it's so competitive that like everybody just wants to get free stuff I've, I've been ranting about this on the Instagram this week <laughs> <laughs> um, but again our shift is changing and every time we're trying to focus on something else the priority of the black owned yeah, yeah you know it's um, nobody's well less people are focusing on you know what let's support black owned business right now when they're moaning about the fact that they've not had as much free stuff as they did last mm. week and mm. you know this influencer decided that she, she's gone slightly under 10k so she hasn't got a few bits of functionality on the Instagram now it's just like mm. <laughs> you know and that, it's in the world of social media it's very easy to get distracted so mm. you've got all of those elements you know, taken away from the fact that actually we could really be making some serious changes right yeah. now. And um, I think very big in terms of, I fully see our stuff in John Lewis. Like, yes, I will support black owned businesses constantly, but as a black owned business, I should be sucked in the high street yeah, store. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, and it's like, uh, right now, there is nothing like our products mm. in John Lewis or Boots or Superdrug. There's nothing like them. Mm. There's hair products, but there's not yeah. the accessories. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But on the kind of, I guess, the investment thing, do you think that 
it's I feel like I've seen a stat somewhere and I'm trying to look for it and I can't find mm-hmm. it just saying that like black women are the least likely to secure yeah. investment when it comes yes. to kind of small businesses and entrepreneurs do, do you agree with that I mean I don't know if you've yes. ever looked for kind of investment and things yes. but do you find it's more difficult to get that kind of support 100% even just the accessibility of it where yeah. the hell do you start it's you know I've I've started to explore uh, investment now because we've scaled once so yeah. we rebranded in February yeah and that was super, super successful. So since February, when we did the rebrand, we've brought in just over nearly 12K now since February. Mm. Oh. Um, so the, the return on investment from what it cost me mm. for the rebrand, it paid for itself within about two days. Wow, that's good. Yeah? That's really good. So, um, so in that respect, that, that scaling part was brilliant. But now we need to scale again because... It's, it's a tricky one for me because the business keeps accelerating and keeps growing and growing. But me personally, I need a constant wage. You know, so it's those things mm. that now we need to scale properly. It needs to go further than just me and the small team I have. Yeah. I need people. I need a proper, I need proper mechanisms to really start getting this to where I need it to be. Um, and in terms of investment, even just the, okay, right, where do you get it from? What does it look like? Mm. All of that. It's so grey, is it? You know, it's, it's it's not clear at all. Yeah. There's there's one company called can't remember the name, but they're like a, a black owned, like kind of like an acceleration company where okay. they support entrepreneurs and they take some equity and they give like resources and stuff. Backstage backstage capital, I think they're called. Okay. Um, they're based in London, but they only open their applications now and again. And I came across them, and that's the kind of company that you would love. Like, you know, they have the resources, mm. they, they have the investors, they have the network and, and things like that, and they don't take too much of your, your money. Hardly any of those, and definitely not purpose-built ones for, you know, black-owned businesses. So not only is it hard to get the investment, we're just so ill-prepared. Like, if I was to go and do, I think they call it seed, like seed stages, like, yeah, you know, you go yeah. through different... I'd be so ill-prepared. It's hard. I think in the UK, the whole investment piece just needs... To be clearer yeah. and easier. More transparent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will have to do it at some point. But yeah, it's tough. It's not It's not easy. So, in an ideal world then, you know, five, ten years down the line, where would you like to see the Happy Hair Company? Uh, gl- more so global. So I think even though, we, you know, we're touching on the different countries now in terms of customers that like I want us to be stopped there, like, a you know... A global brand so I see us as being like um, a hub you know like for protective and safe yeah products and accessories I think you know that's one thing is that um, people keep asking me to bring our own hairline out because they're like yeah, we know that you'll give us safe stuff and we always <laughs> listen to what you say about it so can you make your own I'm like that's a whole different realm for me that formulation and all the scientific yeah. stuff I've yeah. got <laughs> I have no clue right now so um but from my perspective, I do see like a household name, I suppose, I guess is what I'm saying, but globally, but for all the right reasons, while still pushing forward, I, I very much want to create a lot of opportunities through this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people like me out there that maybe don't have the same drive or um, survival, I mm-hmm. guess, because that's what drives me yeah. most of the time, um, that, that just need a little bit of help or something, you know, that could go and set a business up and, you know, and that's what I kind of want to do through this. And that's why I kind of mentioned earlier that the people that work with me and for me yeah. at the moment are people that have their own little businesses in in um, in essence. But global and then like the chain stores, as I said, mm-hmm. just to make a black owned business a prominent brand like we see yeah. in, the, in the shops. I think it's just like, why shouldn't? 
I feel like we we have this um, tonal vision or you know small mentality that we don't belong there, mm-hmm. and that's because we don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Shea Moisture is not black owned anymore. Yeah, you know, so it's um it's like Unilever. Yeah, who owns Dove and stuff. So, well, that's gone now. We don't have a you know black owned brand that's in the high street. And Boots are doing fantastic. Boots and Superdrug. They're doing well. Yeah, they've cottoned on. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've cut, you know they've they've really and and good you know good on them because. They've really cottoned on and it's so much more accessible to us now, but we still need to be making sure that we're benefiting from mm, that. Yeah. I think probably the main thing that stops black women setting up their own businesses, even if they've got amazing ideas, it, it's going to be the financial side, isn't yes. it? And you've been so open about yes. your personal struggles on mm. Instagram. and Which is quite good because actually it's very easy honest. to think, oh, you know, somebody's selling lots of products yeah, so it must do- be making loads yes. of money or aren't yeah. they doing well it's easy yes and from the an outsider looking in mm. look at your website it's really professional yeah. amazing yeah you know it looks like yeah it's making money it's mm. she's, she's fine whatever but the reality of it is different it's a different story mm. yeah. how do you keep going and do you ever have a point where you're like you know I can't pay my bills, so yeah, all the time. I'm going to have to scrap the whole thing, or yeah. will nothing make you stop mm. doing this? Um, I think I'm I'm very much doing stuff. Even though I say I'm winging it, I'm doing stuff that I haven't seen or had before. I haven't had an entrepreneur that looks like me that I can relate to. If mm. someone said to me, who's mm. your role model? I couldn't really tell you, because I can't think of anybody, particularly UK-based. Yeah. You know, people say Oprah and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, but she's not from the UK. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... Um, I'm very transparent and open because I feel like we need that so much. And, um, of course, I'm a huge fan of like the Richard Bransons of the world and stuff, but I speak about this often. We always see them at the end point. Mm. So when we read about their struggle in the books, it doesn't seem real because mm. we didn't, we weren't there for it. We didn't see it. So we just see the money and the success at the end. Whereas I'm, I say this all the time, I'm showing you now throughout that whole bit so that when we get to that end point, you guys have all seen it. It's not just in the book, mm. you've actually seen me live it. And I think the financial aspect is crippling. That is, as you say, the main thing that either stops someone from even trying, yeah. the, um, where they can't get past the one year mark, because that's like the milestone that everybody says, if you can get past the year, that's the first achievement. Yeah. Um, and you just have to, you just have to be one of those people you're either made for it or you're not mm-hmm. you know um becoming an entrepreneur made a lot of sense to me when I became one because I was like this is why I felt different <laughs> you know is that growing up I felt very different mm. I've gone through a lot of stuff but I've always been very resilient and I've yeah. always felt like I wanted more um to a fault sometimes because when I used to be at work so I worked until I was 16 and I really didn't like people like demeaning me or telling me mm. what to do it's just always been a thing I, you know I don't don't necessarily have a problem with authority generally but when it came to that i was just like i don't like this i yeah. don't like this feeling That's and it me. makes sense now because now i run my own business and it, i just feel like it it was obviously what i was meant to do but with this it's it's hard to explain because the business itself is smashing it it's, it's taking care of itself like all the costs and everything mm. the the revenues is i haven't got to worry about it it's my salary yeah, yeah. um and I wouldn't need a salary other than the living expenses. So that's what I need to be able to, for me to be able to keep running it and scaling it, I need a salary mm. because I need to pay for stuff, <laughs> you know? So it's not, they don't go hand in hand. Like mm. just because the business is doing really well, that doesn't mean I am. Mm. And now it's about getting to, getting it to a point. And these bits that I'm saying, speaking to you about now are stuff that you, you probably won't know mm. or you might not have heard somebody speak about it. And these are the, the small gems of, of 
running your own business or starting it that are just really useful you know just thinking about this stuff like I now know because I've had to sit down and figure out how much money I need we need to be bringing in consistently around three grand a month for it for me to be okay to have right. a bit of a salary and for the business to yeah. at its current pace to take care of itself and for me to have a bit to cover what I need mm. to retail is not consistent like that unless you've reached a certain yeah. point you know as I said we've made like 11 12 grand in a couple of months in a few months but then this month might be quiet yeah Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's retail it's um seasons it's all different behaviors that affect this stuff Mm. so that's um the financial aspect of it is tough like you you might have seen that i've gone on instagram like guys i'm selling my car (laughs) and everyone's like what that i will sell my car if i need to get a cash injection yeah and sell my car for a bit that is what i will do because i know that i've got so i've just partnered with denman We've got yeah, our own really Demon brushes, really thank impressive. you. Well done. We've got um, our own Demon brushes coming out. That might make me, I don't know, a couple of grand. So if I sell my car, I'll probably have that some of that back in yeah, a bit. And that's yeah. that's the way I have to think because where else am I going to get the money from unless it's investment? Mm. And investment's not a quick thing either. So I will sell my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, it sounds crazy to some people and it's very extreme because it is selling mm. your stuff. But that is the reality. I sold my house, not just for the business, but for debt and stuff. But I used that, uh, some of that house sale money for the rebrand. I wouldn't have been able to rebrand mm, and create the that. revenue that I did without selling my house. That was just the reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fair play to you, though, because yeah. it takes that kind of guts yes, from yeah. one person yeah. to get this whole thing going. Otherwise, yeah. we just end up in this same exactly, yeah, cycle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the financial aspect of it, I think if you can... When you're starting out, if you can work for a bit at the start, do it. Loads of people do yeah. it. Uh, I'd already had a first business by the time I launched Happy Hair Company and was self-employed, so that wasn't an option for me. But like now, I might have to go and do some part-time work temporarily. Mm. I'm really hoping I don't, <laughs> because I can't even imagine like the whole mindset shift that I'd have to do to, to yeah. work for yeah. someone and then cram it into school run times and then go back home at night time mm-hmm. and then try and run this business. It will be insane. But I will do it if I have to. Yeah. Obviously, you were involved, you and your daughter were involved in um, the Curls Like Us launch yes. with Rochelle Hughes. Yeah. What was that? How did that come about? Because <laughs> that's amazing. I, I think that might be how I found out about you A guys, lot of actually. people did, yeah. yeah. How did that come about? Um. So we were only two months in. We'd only launched two months prior. Yeah. And Rochelle followed us first. So at that point... Um, she was very active in uh, the curly hair community mm, yeah. and speaking about her journey. Um, and in parallel, I had a load of, because I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So I had a, quite a lot of people on LinkedIn saying, you should get in touch with Rochelle Humes. And I was just like, whatever. You guys are talking about, <laughs> I'm just going to go and talk to this celebrity. Like, no, I'm not. But, and then around that same time, she followed us. And then she messaged me and she just said, just casually, hi hon, I've got this thing that I'm doing in London next week, you know, if you're free and you'd, I'd love your daughter to come like, come and film for it. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I just spoke to Jay. I, obviously she would have had to take a day off school, but my daughter, she's a, a bit unique. She goes to see Google and stuff. So she has days off school to go to the Google HQ and stuff. So I was like, you know, spoke to her, do you want to come and do this thing? She's like, yeah, sure. So um, we went over to London and we filmed, um, Curls Like Us was supposed to be like, um, a bit of a knowledge hub 
you know, and blogs and vlogs yeah. and stuff to just to kind of a central point where different hair types and stuff could go and get information. Mm. Mm. I don't know that it's really done much since that point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that that's kind of how it came about. So we went there, we met her. She was really nice. Uh, she, her and Jaya was sat there on the iPad and stuff and it was really nice and laid back. Um, and then we did a, a vlog, which it just there was quite a few people there, but we just basically um, answered some questions about our own hair journey mm. and and stuff like that. Um, and then yeah, a few people found us through that. Um, and then, as I say, around that time is when we launched the frizz towel as well. So that's when I say it kind of really took yeah. off really quickly. Um, and then it was for me to try and keep up with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's how that happened. Random. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, but random. Yeah. <laughs> social media, the power of social media. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just over a year yeah. in. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's like thinking of starting their own business now, if somebody else was to say, Do you know what, I really want to get into the Afro hair industry, I want to launch my own business, what would you, if you had three bits of advice for them, <laughs> what, what would you say to them? First one would be do it. Go that for is, it, yeah. Honestly, like, I'm the wrong person to ask because I'll tell you to just sell everything. <laughs> just do it, whatever you can do it. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say do it, like, 100%, regardless of whether it fails, regardless of whether it takes you down a different path. Like, it's just so much better than not. I just feel that, and, and I will never like this having a nine to five or anything like that yeah but i feel like if you've got that fire in you you've got to explore it yeah you've just got to you will never feel settled you'll you'll never be okay if you don't so do it uh the second thing would be get as prepared as you can for the reality of it like you're not gonna be able to prepare yourself because Mm. it's just it's it's a very unique challenging thing to do but do what you can to mentally and um, mentally and financially as much as you can prepare for it. Um, it just makes the journey easier. Uh, the last thing, I'm probably missing out on some better things, but um, <laughs> surround yourself with people that are either on it or much further than you are at the moment. Okay. And that's a tough one, actually, because I... Finding those people. Right, yes, it, it is. And it's hard for me, by the yeah. way, but um, I'm starting to so the whole like um power of thought and thoughts become things and um that kind of thing i'm very much about that now um but i remember i think it was the secret no it wasn't the secret it was one of one of those grow rich something and i was listening to the audio book and they said you need to have your network of people at least five or six people and i'm thinking i haven't got those people (laughs) Okay, so you're saying that is a key ingredient. Yeah. You cannot be successful without having these core people. Like, I don't have them. Strangely, um, the months to follow that, a few of those people started to come into my life, you know, through different means. Yeah. Um, and actually, a couple of those people are potential investors now. You know, yeah. so it's it's uh, you know it's. Um, yeah so going back to what i've said it even though you might not immediately have those people around you you've really got to like seek them out i hate networking events and stuff that's where you find them (laughs) (laughs) i still don't go to them i'll be honest um but that's kind of where you find them saying that though mm, the people that are really successful probably don't go to a lot of those events Mm. so it's tricky but you've got to one way or another surround yourself with people 
yes, some that are maybe at the same stage as you, but you want to be around and start seeing these people that are doing it or that have overcome some of the stuff that you're facing or might face it, the successful people. Yeah. Um, but still, without without losing yourself, I think it's it can be quite demoralising. I follow quite a few successful people and I'm like, oh my God, I'm nowhere near that. Oh, I'm broke right now. Like it's, it's, it can be actually, you need to, you need a lot of... Um, and mental and emotional stamina, mm. Mm. which I'm, I work on a lot because I'm not, <laughs> I don't have a lot of it. But I think, yes, yeah, so it's the people that you surround yourself with. I've got a couple of, well, quite a few entrepreneurial friends, which really helps. Mm. Just having somebody that understands the mindset of and the, the requirements of running your own business and the mad things that we've spoken about that I do that don't seem crazy to those yeah. people, you know? Um, so yeah, it's really key. And actually, if you have a bunch of people around you either that don't get it or that don't think you can do it, yeah, you probably won't. won't happen. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> oh well. Thank you, Sasha. Oh, That's been great. really, really interesting to kind of find out more about you and hear your experience and stuff. Oh, so when... so many things that I've never even thought of before. It no. is. It's um. And as, as as I say, you know, sometimes you just need to tune into the right conversation or ask the right questions to even stumble across those bits of those little nuggets of yeah. information um but yeah thank you i'm glad that you've enjoyed it yeah and if anybody wants to hear more about running a business mm-hmm. sasha is the perfect person to follow on instagram because as we've already I said keep it 100% yes, real. <laughs> she keeps it real the insta stories are always flowing yes. with information and honesty yes. so what's your instagram for everybody who wants to uh, the happy hair co yeah. Um, and the website is thehappyhairco.com yeah. fantastic so yeah if people want to check out some of the great products then go take a look or if you fancy investing as well yeah. <laughs> feel free yeah. thank you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.